What it do, what it do. Welcome back for another dope episode of Just Be Real Podcast. I'm your girl, the one and only Just Be Real. Today I got the realest, my homegirl, my soror, my sis, Miss Kayla Everett kicking it with me today. Let's get into the millennial mindset. Let's see what the miseducation is. Enough of me chatting. Let's get real. So we have none other than Miss Everett, as the kids call her, but I know her as Kayla. So introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Kayla Everett, or Kayla K. Everett, to be exact. Okay? Don't forget the K. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a high school teacher. I teach 10th grade world lit and composition. Um, I have my own business. I recently graduated with a master's degree. Ow, ow. Yeah, so... On the up and up, on the up and up. I mean, that's all we're doing. We're only going, it's only up from there. Like, that's it. The price went up, I went up, I'm going up, and that's the end of that. Period. 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 And she's not going to tell y'all that she's a member of the illustrious Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated of the uh, Pearl Bearing Chapter of Sigma Chapter at Clark Atlanta University. <laughs> right, right, right. This is true. This is true. This is true. All of this is true. I am the sixth. From the spring 16 line, okay, 35 tenacious torches of triumph. Shout okay. out to all my line sisters. Shout out to her mama, Miss Monica, who happens to be her number and her club out there. Sassy yes. Six from Sigma Chapter, the SSS. 32 devastating degrees of distinction. Shout out to y'all, too. Okay, it's all of these damn alliteration I can't keep up with. <laughs> So many letters, but they all mean something. That's all I do know. That's all that matters at this point. But you know, their chapter is single letter. The only one that I know of that's very important out of Alpha, outside of Alpha chapter, that is a HBCU that is single letter that has very big significance for them nine beautiful pearls. Y'all don't know. That's 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 information that's out there for the world to know. So if y'all don't know, y'all better go look up, look it up. Google it. Google, Google it. Okay. Period. Google's a very good resource, you know. So I'm just saying. I know as yes. as my teacher used to say, Google. Okay. As my teacher used to tell me, ask three before you ask me. Before you ask me a super question, go find out from three other people and go do some research. Ask three resources before you come to me. Students, Wikipedia is not a credible resource at all. At all. So today's episode is called The Miseducation of the Millennial Mindset. And I just feel like Kayla was the perfect person only because, as she stated, she's an Atlanta native. And nonetheless, we know Atlanta was never really closed this entire fucking year and a half. So here we are. And that's why I was like, nah, I got to ask somebody. What is closed? And the CDC down Atlanta there, which makes it even worse. Atlanta don't know what closed is. People were still at the clubs, okay? Still at the clubs, okay? Still, just doing whatever they wanted to do, and there was no other. There was no better person to talk on this. What do you call that um, curfew? Yes, they had a whole curfew at one point at the beginning of that pandemic, and people was still outside. Still at. I feel like y'all never had COVID. I feel like y'all was just COVID free. Y'all had some like bubble or something because y'all was always open. Always open. Even with Mayor Keisha Bottoms, like, we need to mandate masks. They're like, uh, nah. Yeah, that's around the time when the whole curfew thing was going on. And people was like, curfew? I ain't even had a curfew with my own parents. I'm not going to. Yeah, I think y'all about to give me. That's the type of time they was on. That's the type of time they was on. Okay. 
last time they were on. And you know, black folks in Atlanta ignorant, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. But what else we're gonna do? We're gonna jump in real quick. So you're Atlanta native, of course. You went to CAU. Everybody's high school, the Panthers. Everybody already know what's going on with them. Um, we definitely had some prior people on that that was for CAU grads. I'm like, yo, if I would went to that school. Jackie knew what she was doing. She was like, you're not going there or FAMU because you will never graduate. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you are exactly right. So lit. So lit. She's exactly right. Every day, it's like a fashion show on a promenade. Okay? Like, we had so many celebs who would just come up to the school for whatever reason, meet and greets, filming shows. Like, I, I think it was one point, um, Gabrielle Union was up there when she was filming being Mary Jane, when that show was still out, you know, we've had lots of celebrities come up there. Like, it's countless. Like, I can't, especially in the mass media department, which was my department when I was in school. So, yeah. Ciao. And I was trying to go to Spellman. Jackie was like, I'm so glad I can't afford it because Spellhouse mixed with CAU, <laughs> you would have never been graduating. I'm like, no, I would have graduated. I would have been studio. She said, girl, bye. I know you. That was the best experience ever. Like, for real. So, I, I, I think God knew what he was doing. That's why I ain't go no further than Delaware, because I feel like anything after that, I wouldn't have graduated on time. I would have been distracted. So It's okay. It's okay, because it's not always about when you finish, just as long as you finish. See, Jackie wasn't on that movement. She said, after four years, I'm not paying for it. So, I was on a strict <laughs> regimen, and that was that. So, baby girl, finish in four years. Accounting or not, baby girl, you're out the door in 2012. That's it. I'm not financing anything else. I'm not signing off on anything else. So you're going to be on your freaking own. And then I was like, you know what? Heard you. And it was a matter of when I finished and how I finished at that point. So I didn't care. But um, as an HBCU grad and at one of the top schools in Atlanta, how was your experience not only for undergrad being the majority, but receiving your master's in education now from a PWI? Because that always varies. Yes. So like I was saying before, mass media arts with a concentration in radio, television and film was my major at Clark Atlanta University. And like I said, I had the best time ever in undergrad. Like it was everything I had ever hoped and dreamed for, everything I signed up for. Love known fact, okay? Let me just let me just take it on back. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, they probably gonna be like, I don't understand. Like, why she be so hot? Like, let me tell y'all. I originally went to college at Payne College in Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Um, Augusta. I like this. Every time I hear Augusta, I think of Medea. Like, look at you with that suit, looking like you straight from Augusta. <laughs> and see, they be making jokes about it, saying disgusta and all of that stuff. But nonetheless, though, I went to Payne College. Okay. And my mom had applied to paying college with my information, you know, because she just was worried that, you know, I might not get accepted into college or whatever. But I actually did get accepted into a school that I wanted to go to, which was Alabama State University. The Hornets. Too late. Yes. Sounds like me. Too late. She had already paid whatever that fee is that you pay for college to paying. On the day that I received my letter in the mail saying that I was accepted to the school I wanted to go to. So it was too late. She was like, well, too bad. I already paid the money. Um, you'll be going to pay. Sounds like me and NCCU, and I'm still mad at them because I'm supposed to be an eagle, not a hornet. Yes. God damn it. And so her whole concept. 
comment was, well, you know, by the time I get that money back from, you know, this HBCU, school will be done started, X, Y, and Z, so you'll be going there. She was like, but it's going to be a good school because it reminds me of Clark Atlanta back when I used to go there. And I was like, mom, that's a problem. They shouldn't have advanced by now. But nonetheless, though, that very first year at Payne College was the best college experience I've ever had. Like, I truly enjoyed it before all the extra rules and regulations and things were put into stone those following years. Okay, so got to give it up to PC one time. Definitely had the best time there. Met some great people, made some great memories and bonds that will last a lifetime. So then I'm fast forwarding on to CAU when I get there, right? Okay, great. Now I feel like I'm at home. Like, this is what I signed up for when I would watch School Days, A Different World, you know, Stomp the Yard when I was young. Like, that's the stuff that had me excited to go to college. And after that first year at Payne, I just felt like I wasn't getting that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to go. That's what I signed up for, all of that. So when I got to Clark, I was like, yes, this is what I signed up for. We got a bunch of organizations. It's always something to do. It's never a dull moment there. Market Wednesday, you can go over to the other schools, Morehouse and Spelman, they have Market Thursday, Market Friday, just a bunch of vendors where you can like support okay. businesses, black-owned businesses, and you just walk up on the promenade or wherever the other schools have theirs are and buy stuff. Like, they were selling everything, clothes, bundles, shades. Bundles? Let me find out. Yes, like, it's such a great experience. Uh, like I said, everything as far as organizations, not even just your... Greek organization, your regular organizations like Broadcasting Club, um, NAACP, uh, the newspaper club that they had, uh, the magazine for the school. Like they had so many organizations that weren't really offered at the last school I was at. So I felt like, okay, great. It's all geared towards my major. Let me just hop in these or whatever. More networking opportunities. Um, internship opportunities it just seemed like it was so much more as far as my major went right where i had come from and so i felt like this would be a better opportunity for me because the program there the mma department was just a better program at that school so i feel like i was winning okay Great. education and culture come on now yeah so you know you know i started interning with uh streets 945 while doing my work study um, with CAUTV, they're partnered with Comcast there. So um, mm. there's a specific channel there. If you turn it on in Atlanta to that specific channel, it broadcasts what's going on at CAU on their school station. Then, you know, WCLK, the jazz station in Atlanta, the actual radio station is in the MMA department. So I just had everything that I needed right there where I could just go on campus right there and get that experience where I didn't really have that before. So everything was lit for me, okay? From school to classes, my teachers, like I felt like being at the HBCU, they can connect with you one-on-one, like on a more genuine and personable level. You know facts, what I'm saying? Facts. Relate to you. Where at PWIs and stuff, you don't get that, which takes me into my whole getting a master's at a PWI. I did it online, okay, because first of all, I was grown. I had time to stop my coins to be going back to no school, okay? That's a fact. Second of all, it's a PWI. Let's be real. It's not that personable because it's so many students 
in that one class. They don't have the time to have to sit there and be personable, learn you one-on-one, kind of get to know you and things like that. Like, I don't even know what my teachers look like, okay? Well, damn. (laughs) I don't know these people. Well, damn, Gucci. When I had questions about the assignment, that's it. I didn't talk to them about the actual class or the things we were learning in class and things like that. So for me, that's the difference. And I know a lot of people was like, well, you was online, so he's only going to get so much being online. But even for students who, you know, actually went there in person, because I kind of asked them to. And they was like, oh, no, it's not like that over here. You know, I did my, they was like, I did my undergrad here and I'm doing my master's degree here. We didn't have all of that. Like we have our organizations and we have this and that, but it wasn't as like, it wasn't family. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like home. It just kind of was like, I'm at school. You know what I'm saying? Like I know at CAU, I could count on the people who I was there with and who I was around. It was like your family away from home. Even though I never really That's an HBCU experience in general though. Yeah, it's like your home away from home. Like you got teachers who are gonna talk to you like they're your parents. Like, no, ma'am, you're not gonna turn. <laughs> exactly. Like you're gonna do it again. Like you have that at those schools. Like the PWIs, they're like, okay, so what you're turning in? Cool, I'm gonna grade accordingly. Like they're not trying to send you back in to, you know, better yourself or reach your full maximum potential because they like we ain't here for all that. We are here to get this check. Just right. like you trying to get a check at your job, we trying to get one at our job and going about our business. And so, all I can say is the HBCU experience was awesome. Like, and I only did the PWI for my master's degree program, really because I just wanted to be able for myself see the difference between the two. Like, there's always an ongoing debate about that on social media: PWI versus HBCU, HBCU versus PWI. But I wanted to see for myself, okay? And let the record show everything they said was true. The HBCU is definitely where it's at. Um, and I can say that too for me only because I went to HBCU and then a PWI, which is common for us at Dell State. Some people actually go to Dell State for their masters. Not many though, because it costs too damn much. But I feel like majority of your experience in college is done in undergrad. So, like, once you get to your master's level, it don't matter what the hell the school is given as long as you get the degree you need to get. Undergrad is what counts because between the ages of 18 and 21 or whatever the time frame you go is the time that molds you as a person. So, by the time you are entering into adulthood, you know what to expect. And I feel like a HBCU with a PWI won't do and y'all can debate me and kiss my ass about it. A HBCU is going to prep you being a black person in society and knowing what barriers you're going to have to wish stand in real life (laughs) you're not gonna get that a pwi they're gonna just throw your ass to the fucking wolves pwis my i will never forget my professor her name was dr williamson i loved her to death she was an aka she was when i said this woman helped me when i was online she was like jessica you've been falling asleep in my class don't even gotta say it i know what's going on don't care what org don't care what you're doing but what i do know for this if you need me while you're going through this transition, you let me know. If there's an assignment you need to hand in later, let me know. And I'm like, Dr. Williams, she said, Jessica, been there, done that. I could see it in your face. And you, ha- and you have to pass my class in order to be deemed eligible. And I was like, Dr. Williamson, she was like, and as a black woman to a black woman, no matter, this is what I'm going to show you how grace comes in D9. I don't care what colors you wear. I don't care what colors you get in. But the fact that we both black women and we're going for the same goal and I want to see you succeed in accountancy, I'm here to help you help yourself. After that, I'm like, I would never get that shit if I was online for a PW motherfucking nine. 
teacher just like that in my accounting class when I was going through the whole process, you know, being online and doting and all that. Unfortunately, I didn't utilize my resources like you did because she didn't find out until the next day when I came in. We all decided to wear our letters that day to class. And she was like, ah, it all makes sense now. She was like, why didn't you say anything? And, you know, she actually was a soror. She was a Delta. And she was like, why didn't you say anything? But, you know, in your mind, you're like, discretion. Discretion is key. Discretion is key, but also you don't want to feel like you're trying to use that as your way to get a free exactly. or, or something. Like, you know, you're not trying to play those cards like that. You're really trying to get it on your own, honestly. And I was like, if I had a known, I would have said something, but I just didn't feel like I needed to say anything. You know what I'm saying? But she was like, yes, it all makes sense now. And she was like, and guess what? I'm still not giving up on you, okay? We gonna work on this because accounting was like super hard, and this was the accounting for non-business majors. Okay, I'm just <laughs> imagine accounting as an accounting major in your junior year, and you have to graduate if you don't pass these classes. You're if I didn't pass these classes, I wouldn't have been able to get into my senior courses, which therefore means I would have to stay a whole nother year to be able to be able to. Oh hell no! I would have been able to graduate if I didn't pass that. Class. Period. Like, I was like, why would they even set me up like this and do this to me at the end? But nonetheless, though, like I said, how personable you know the professors are at HBCU. She took it upon herself to say, "Listen, I see that you've been trying. When I ask questions, you attempt to answer. You try to answer. I see you taking notes, and because of that." I'm willing to work with you, you know, and try to help you get through this. At a PWI, they wouldn't have cared if you was taking notes or not. Hello? They wouldn't have cared if you was attempting and raising your hand or not. Hello? It's either you're going to pass or you're going to fail. Like... And I think I was most grateful for Dr. Williamson because I didn't have to say anything. She could just see it in my face. She's like, you've been more tall than usual in my class, Jessica. What's going on? I'm like, oh, nothing. You know, it's just been a lot of work trying to keep up with. She was like, a lot of work. I'm like, okay, a lot of work. They pay attention to stuff like that. They pay attention because they care. And that's not to say the PWI teachers don't care, please, because I don't want that to be the narrative. Because I'm sure they care too. It's just that at the HBCU, like you were saying, when you was giving the example of how she was a black woman in accounting, you was a black woman in accounting, y'all trying to get to the same goals, she just see like, listen, I see what you're trying to do. I've been there before. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you win. You have potential. I got to help you. I got to pull you up. So right. You pay it forward and pull somebody else up. And I feel like they see that. They're looking for that. Whereas at the other schools, it's so many students. There's so much other stuff going on. It's like, if I really had to sit here and try to pinpoint that out of everybody, we'd be doing this all semester. Hello? So, and then they they and then they're waiting for you to come to them as opposed to rec you recognize what my work my workload is and you know my work ethic but you're not gonna try to pull me to the side and say hey so and so what's going on right because they see themselves in us where they used to be and exactly at that age I was not gonna say anything to my professor either for whatever reason because you're scared you're nervous you don't know what to say so they take the leap and do it for you on the other side it's like well you know if you don't say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. So it's like, it's just so much more relatable. Like they know where you are, what your next step is, what you're thinking. 
even though you already think you got it figured out. It's like, again, a parent. I've been there before. Let me tell you. Okay. So you don't have to go through these same struggles that I had to go through. Okay, period. Because I know with my PWI for my master's for accounting, my professor was like, you have 15 weeks of accelerated of accelerated program in seven weeks. This is what you have to do. This is what needs to be done. These are the due dates. That was that. You failed. Like, I did my first class ever in life. I failed. He was like, oh, well, you just got to take the class over. Excuse me? Oh, no, 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 sir, no, ma'am, no ham, no turkey. You got me chopped and screwed, sir. And I've been coming to your office hours and you still just going to fail me? Okay. Okay. Oh, so we in a different, we in a, well, we really in a different world. Okay, got it. Listen, I saw everything about it. Like, I see you. Okay, I see you. Like, because I didn't even know an A- minus was a real thing until I got to the master's program. They were like, it's an A. But it's gonna be an A minus, and nonetheless, the A minus really weighs a lot because that was the difference between me having the three, the three point nine five, and the four point But two A minuses. Mm. I had straight A's, but I had also two A minuses. I was like, "Why is this even a thing? It's the A. Just let me be great." Child, I know that life too, though, because account uh, economics is my Achilles heel, and I was okay with the C because I expected a C minus, and I was like, y'all know what? Y'all can give me that three point six seven because I earned it because I know that them C's weighed some parts, and that's okay. Stop beating myself up and just make my peace and content with. Listen, you had a three point nine five. It's not that bad. So people never gonna see that. It's you got all A's. It's straight A's. It might be some A minuses, but it's still an A. Period. So you still got straight A's. <laughs> Period. And after that, I really didn't care no more because I also felt like the closer it got to the end of that program, the more I was just like, I don't care. Peace. I'm ready to go. I'm trying to go. <laughs> and that's that. And given that you just brought that up with like the A minus situation and the grading, what caused you to be an educator? Because you know, y'all grade nonstop all day, every day. Okay. It's so crazy. Like, I have a lot of educators in my family. My aunt is an educator. My grandmother was an educator. My other grandmother was an educator. Uh, so, you know, growing up, me and my cousins, we used to play school for fun because it was something good to do. Like, it was something fun to do. So, that's just how I got into it. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's so fun. And when I was young, I used to really want to be a teacher. But then, you know, I started going through, you know, school myself, like an actual student. And I was like, ooh, no. <laughs> don't be acting. No, nah, baby, I'm not about to be no teacher and be on CNN for catching a case for one of these kids. Yo, I cannot. So I then decided, like, you know what? It's got to be something else I'm good at, something else I want to do. And that's how I came with the whole mass media arts thing but i always used to want to be a teacher now here's how i ended up actually being an actual educator like deciding like i'm gonna go back to school to do this i'm a firm believer like your purpose your purpose your purpose mm -hmm. your purpose doing what you're supposed to be doing so granted like I told you, from a very young age, I I wanted to be a teacher. I liked it. It was so easy, just just first nature. But then I was like, no, I just want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do something else instead. And it's just like, things seem to be working out. Things seem to be working out. Then you graduate, and now you're trying to apply to all these jobs for radio, television, film, things like that. And that's a 
very highly saturated um field of study it is everybody wants to do it and so it's like hmm it's one of those you got it's who you know not what you know type situations right and it's like i had a um friend axel sore who was a friend we grew up together her mom worked for turner she helped me get in the door for stuff um she knew some connects to somebody else they helped me get in the door for stuff and it just never seems to work out like i'm not even one of the people that's like scared to tell the story like it just didn't work out i would get the interview and then interview but then that'd be the end of it like i would never hear nothing else back from these people and so I was just like, okay, I'm going to just keep applying, keep applying, not give up, keep applying, you know, still work my regular job or whatever. Cool. Jessica, I applied to like 50 probably plus jobs in that Damn. whole field of study. And I promise you, at least 30 something out of those 50 was rejection. Like, Sheesh. unfortunately, we decided to go with somebody else or this position has been filled or this pool has been closed like whatever their little terminology they love to use and so when i did get stuff back like i said got the interview but never got past that so i was like you know what i'm good with the youth i'm always doing something with the youth i'm always working with them whether it's tutorial you know just whatever let me just go back to what i know so i was like okay let me see what they're talking about. So I applied to be a sub just to see, like, okay, let me see how school is right. nowadays. Like, am I really going to want to... Am I built for this in real life? Yeah, like, am I really built for this? Because I, I Just let me see, because school different and stuff now. So I went back in as a sub. Okay, that was probably, like, October of, like, I want to say probably 2018. I went in, did a little sub. And I'm like, okay, that's not bad. I'm in the middle school now. And, you know, middle school is where nobody likes to go. They love to do either high school or elementary. True, my, everybody, I know when to do elementary. They don't want to be bothered with them daggone kids. So, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. This is cool. This is fun. We have having a good old grand time. So, I'm like, I think I can do this. So, you know, I continue subbing from October all the way through May. So now we're at May um, 2019. So I go and I decide while I'm still subbing, I come across, you know, another Sora who's a teacher. We start talking. She's like, you're really good at this. You really shouldn't do the subbing thing. You probably should look into being a teacher or if you're not ready to full, fully force, like throw yourself in there as that, try being a para. So, okay, I applied to be a para, and I did a whole year of para pro. <coughs> I did interrelated, um, interrelated special ed, okay? So, I was like, okay, I'm in a whole high school doing this now. <laughs> I kid you not. Right when I had went to apply for the para pro job, it was at a job fair just, okay? I walked in not expecting anything. They wanted to give me a pre-employment contract and sign me in. What? Right then, right then and there. <coughs> I left out of there. That's real. Like, that's crazy. Like, it's just mind-blowing. Two days later, Cox Media hits me up and they're like, we want you. We want to hire you. We want to hire you. So I'm sitting here stuck in this dilemma like, where do I go? Who do I, I see? Finally get a job back for what I really went to school for and got a degree in. But now I have started on a whole different path now. And now I got that too. So what do I do? So, you know, I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know, it's just funny to me how I have been applying for all these jobs in mass media all this time since 2016 up until. And 
couldn't get nothing. But as soon as I walk in another direction where I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, like where I'm being led to go, here comes this job, this job opportunity. And I'm like, listen, I don't know what anybody who's going to be listening to this podcast, who they believe in, but I believe in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> Cox Media was the devil trying to take me off my path that I'm supposed to be on because y'all was not hitting me all those times before. But as soon as I go over here where I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be at, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, here y'all come. And let me tell you how I know for confirmation, because after I was a para, the school eventually ended up offering me a job to be a full-time teacher there, right? Cox Media hit me again for a second time, a whole oh, year yeah. We want to hire you. Yeah, that was a that was the devil in disguise. That was definitely the devil trying to take me back off my path, back off my purpose. But what I can truly say is everything as far as what was going in for the um the education route, it happened like it was like just quick. Cause that was your purpose. It was where I was supposed to be at. And so once I started opening up my mind and my eyes to seeing that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I was like, yo, I got to be a teacher. I got to be a teacher. This is what I got to do. And like I said, it's all fun for me. I'd be out there enjoying myself. You know, like I said, I'm always doing stuff with the youth anyway. So for me, it was more so walking in my purpose, like going down that whole timeline and just seeing all the things that were occurring during that time frame, how quickly things were happening over here, how other things will also be trying to take me off my path. I was like, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so here I am. So while I was doing Parapro, I started the master's program at the same time because I was like, when they hit me to be a teacher or whatever, I need to already have me a degree in this field of study. So not only can I collect my coins, but they look like, okay, you know, she's serious because she has a whole degree in this field of study. Right. Like it really paid off. Like all of that paid off. Like just working in conjunction with each other. So literally, that's literally how I became a whole educator. Like I knew, but it was like I want to do what I want to do, and you can't do that because when God has a purpose for you and there's a plan set for you to do it, He's gonna get what He want. Regardless, and that ain't and that ain't a lie, and that ain't a lie because I feel like a lot of people who I know force you into where you have to go. At some point, you will either you can go willingly, or you can be forced into it. And sadly, I had to be forced into mine. But it's like I was forced into a great situation. It's like I could have been doing this, been living my best life had I not been hard headed. And I feel like a lot of people who are minister was saying that like. She was like, you need to be a teacher. Why are you going to school to be this radio, television thing? And she, like, is an ordained minister, all that. And she's telling me this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. That's not what I'm trying to do. It's like, I could have been doing I had all the signs, all what I needed. But I just was so busy focusing on what I wanted to do. And you can't do that. So here I am, teaching the generation that has come after us. And that's blessings to you. Because anybody who's an educator that I know, I'd be like, listen, what called you? They're like, it was just my purpose and my passion. My mother and my aunt both did special ed. Okay, trouble kids from K through six got master's degrees in it. They were like, that. I was like, that's not my ministry. I don't like, first of all, I barely like people. I deal with children. I deal with children's parents who are big grown adult children that I got to deal with. And I prefer to be in a cubicle. I have, I want a little more minimal conversation as possible. Do I like kids? Yes. Am I a big kid? Yes. But can I do that? No, I cannot. That's just not me. That's not my ministry. Extracurricular? Yes. 
I went my path because literally I wanted to be a lawyer, but we see where where, where we were. It, it wasn't meant in my purpose. Still could possibly be, but as of now, I'm like, that's not my ministry. Can't do it. So, like, anybody who's an educator, I'd be like, I commend you because, baby girl, I would have been behind the box. Exactly. And my thing is just, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do so bad because it's like, I feel like I got stuff to say and people should hear what I have to say. And not on some, well, obviously, everybody who want to do this field of study feel like that. I feel like the things that I say that I'm talking about, they're real gems. Like, people need to hear this stuff. And I had to make my peace with saying, you know what, I don't have to be on the radio for people to hear what I got to say. I can still do this in the classroom. I could create my own educator channel and talk about this stuff if I wanted to. Like, I had to, like, start thinking outside the box. Like, you can still do that, but teach at the same time. <coughs> and you will still get what you want out of it, but still be walking in your purpose. Facts. And so all the stuff that I would talk about on a talk show or a radio show, whatever you want to say, I tell it to my students. We have real TED Talks with Miss E in the morning time. Like, listen, this is what's going to happen in the real world, okay? Not even trying to play y'all, but this is why I be on y'all the way I be on y'all because of X, Y, and Z. Because when you get out of here, this is how the world is going to be set up. If you're working a job at corporate America and things like that, all of these things about meeting deadlines, time management, you know, being early is being on time and not being on time, you know, is being on time because that's really being late. It's crazy to you guys now in high school. And you're going to that I even took time out of my day to even teach all this stuff because if I don't teach it to you now, the world gonna smack you right in your face with it and you're gonna be looking like what? Unless you're a business major. Unless you're a business major. Business majors get taught that because we're required to know that. When you're a business major, you have the opportunity. And I always say that when it comes to that, if it comes to the curriculum in college, I feel like every student should have that. Because professionalism is a course we have to take. Business professionalism is a form we have to go to. So we learn that innately in the College of Business because clearly we're aiming to be in corporate America. I feel like that still applies to anybody who goes to college because time management matters, being deadlines matter, being punctual matters. So it's like that's something I feel is influential. And I like I said, for me, and I feel like everybody says like, oh, you know what? You should have been somebody who did media or you should have done what had been a lawyer the way you defend yourself. This is what you may feel, but God said accounting was my calling. So that's what the hell I did. I did accounting. Now I can still have my voice, i.e. my podcast, what I do now. I can still do my art, i.e. my business on my other side. Doesn't mean I still don't have, I have my accounting mentorship program where I'm paying it forward like when my professor did it for me. I don't have to do it the tra traditional way to go ahead and make a coin to do it. I can do it in my whatever way God sees fit for me to do it. And I'm going to go that way because any gift that I keep to myself is me being selfish. And I'm not going to get blessed by keeping my gift to myself. So I'm going to do what I got to do to get it done. And you have to know who your target audience is too. Like traditional things only work so far in certain settings. That the part are changing. You have to be able to adapt and change with the way of the world. So the traditional way may have been the way y'all have done it for the last 30 years. But have you ever thought about within the last 10 of those 30 years, maybe you have not been reaching people or mm -hmm. your sales have dropped or participation and outreach and stuff has not increased the way it is. Mm -hmm. so if you're not reaching 
the audience you need to reach because that's not going to be a thing for them. And it's crazy I'm even talking about that because that was a major issue for a lot of my coworkers and teachers with this whole pandemic and stuff because it forced us to have mm-hmm. to with this technology and they had no idea what they were doing. But let the record show that schools have been asking for us to incorporate technology into our lessons and into our classrooms at least for the last past five to six years. Had you been doing that, this whole online thing probably wouldn't have been as stressful as it was. So how were you able to keep your students engaged given that you were... Because you're more of a millennial anyway, so like it's not hard for you to find ways to keep kids attentive. But I know for older, seasoned, tenured teachers, but I know it's probably more difficult for them. But I know like how were you able to keep your students engaged to maintain their normal stability in the classroom? Because for me, I feel like I don't even know like how to really say this without saying this. I'm just going to be blunt with it. Like generations have their own ways of doing things. And I feel like some of those generations that came before us, they're stuck in their ways. It's either their <laughs> way or the highway. That it's part. Really that simple. Because even that with part. my mom, it's her way or the highway. Now, you do have some of those um, adults from that generation that has before us or whatever who are willing to change with the times they're willing to adapt like my principal he's a great example he is from an older generation but you never know because he's so hip he knows what's going on he knows how to relate to the students because he takes time out of his day like to just learn the different things that they're into and how it operates and how it works and that's what i do i do the same thing it's like i really wasn't a TikTok person like that at first. I had an account, but I really didn't do anything with it. Sure, these like kids nowadays, that's all they do. But with my students, exactly. That's all they do. So it's like, if I can relate to them, make TikTok videos and let them see like, hey, I'm just as cool as you are. I'm just as hip. I do the same things you do. They're more prone to be open to hearing what you have to say mm-hmm. and things that you want to do. I also like to, when I teach my lessons, I try to find a way to relate the lesson to real life situations. So I don't have to just teach strictly from the textbook. I'm going by the curriculum, but I like to try to add a sense of reality to it. Like, so they can understand like, okay, maybe I will need this. So let me pay attention because no cap. No lie. I just told y'all earlier on, I don't do math like that. I don't. I have a great soror who teaches math right now. And the way she teaches math, because I saw like a video clip of how she did an exercise and activity with her students. I was like, wow. If I had a teacher who taught math like that when I was in school, I may could have actually learned something or had an open mind to want to try to learn, you know what I'm saying? Right. But if you're a student that doesn't understand something and it's not reaching you in a way that you can learn, you'll come out with the attitude that I have about math to this day. I hate math. I can't stand math. I'm not good at math. I don't do math. Right. And you don't even attempt to try because you already have blocked it all out. Like to this day, I'm still waiting on how I'm going to be using F of X and solving for Y and all that in the real world. I'm still waiting on it. 
nonetheless somebody broke it down to me the other day they was like well when you at the grocery store technically you are kind of solving for x and y because when you're paying your um your balance or whatever for your groceries or whatever you could literally have that literally can be turned into a math equation but see my mind is on the whole no it don't because i'm gonna come up to the register they're gonna ring me up and they're going to tell me how much I owe, and that's what I'm going to pay. But if you think about the X and the Y, X is the item, the Y is the amount of the price. So, therefore, it's adding all to your calculations. Exactly. Exactly. And they had to break that down to me at the age of 30 for me to even understand that that's what your teachers meant by you will have to use this later on down the road. But if my teachers had literally taught it that way to a sense of reality, then maybe I would have been more prone to want to, right. you know what I'm saying? learn it and so that's why i make it my business when i am teaching even with literature and reading and composition and writing i'm trying to get you to understand this is reality you will need this and so i always try to relate something of reality to what it is that we're talking about i throw in little things about you know their favorite rappers you know people that they know like cardi b nba young boy beyonce you know people that they actually listen to and stuff so that way they're tuning into the conversation because I could have lost the student within the first 15 minutes, but if I say something about NBA Youngboy, oh, here they are. Right, back, attention, back. full throttle. Say, I'm here. What you got to say? What you say about NBA Youngboy, Miss Everett? Right. They want to know what it is that I'm talking about now. So now I have just re-engaged you in. I also don't do traditional just lesson from the book we read, do your worksheet. I'm the type of person I like interactive things. So I use a lot of interactive activities like Padlet. So I might pose a question about what we're talking about and have them go pull a sticky note online and answer on there. And I display it to the class. So now everybody can see the different answers. They're anonymous, but they can see the answers. And I'll go and like it if it's correct. Or I might write on that sticky note and be like, I need more probing. You know what I'm saying? Asking further questions to try to pull the information out. I also like to do Kahoot. I love quizzes okay not quizlet but quizzes as in q-u-i-z-z-e-s it's an online interactive thing too it's a quiz but it's like a game so the whole time they're taking a quiz but to them it looks like ooh, i'm trying to be in first place or ooh, i'm trying to win and yes keep in mind these are 10th grade kids you never too old to enjoy a good game. I don't care how much these right. kids try to act like they're so tough and grown. They like stuff like that because for them, they're seeing, okay, I'm leveling up. I can use my bonus points and get up here. I can use this little hint to help me and get ahead. Like, it's a game for them. The whole time, I'm assessing their information, trying right. to see what do they know, what are they struggling with, and what do I need to reteach and go over again just from looking at their scores. And quizzes breaks down a lot of stuff. It'll tell you the most common question that students got wrong or whatever. So it's easier on the teacher end to assess and know what they need to reteach or maybe restructure it a different way. But at the same time, the kids are engaged. They're not just not doing anything. Because assigning work online for a teenage student and telling them read and then answer every single day is redundant. So it becomes boring, and now you're losing them. A lot of them don't have the capacity as far as the discipline to focus being online without the teacher present. Right. So we already lost that due to the pandemic. So you got to find ways to make class more fun. Sometimes I open class with discussion just ask them how was y'all weekend or how how was y'all day like what did y'all do yesterday when y'all got out of school or whatever you know if it's not a 
um, like a Monday coming back from the weekend. If it's a break, what y'all did on y'all break? You know what I'm saying? I want to know these things so they feel like not necessarily like, oh, she asking to try to act like she cared. No, I'm asking because I genuinely And, and that's I a valuable point. That's a very valuable point because like I always say, people understand from what they can comprehend and they can only comprehend at the level that you allow them to be able to absorb the information. And I think over the 22 years I've watched my mother be an educator before retiring, especially with special ed, those kids are trouble within themselves. So to have to get their attention by itself is hard because they're coming from treacherous backgrounds, life experiences that are not common for a lot of children but what i will say is a lot of the kids will always see this like my mom was an art therapist she retired as an art therapist for kids and when my mom retired the kids were so sad and i never understand i'm like yo how do you have this impact on these kids like this and she was like because they understand i can they know i care because they know miss shoulders when it comes to miss shoulders miss shoulders is gonna be there i'm gonna be on your behind like your mother or i might not be the mother figure you ever had so i that's what you're looking at me as a mother so i'm giving you exactly what you need to nourish but i'm taking the time to understand you and understand where your mental level is and trying to comprehend where they are she said a lot of people go in for a check and kids notice that but when they know you're trying to connect on a level where it's more outside of just the physical which is do the work and get it done but on a mental level and on an emotional level you can get kids attentions like that she said i've seen kids and i when i went to school with her one day i will never forget this is like had to be 2000 i had a day out of school i had to always of course get permission because my mom was a special ed students so i went to one class and my mom taught english Kids was like, oh, Miss Shoulders, that's your daughter, blah, blah, blah. She was like, all right, cool. My daughter's here, but she's not a distraction. Let's get you. Y'all know what we got to do. Stop playing with me. She was like, if y'all sit here and get this work done and go ahead and finish this quiz in 15 minutes, I'll let y'all have 15 minutes of just music in the classroom. They was like, yo, Miss Shoulders, like, yo, why are you talking to me? Let's get this work done. I seen these same kids transition to another class, rambunctious as fucking hell. Then can't listen to the teacher. was like, yo, bitch, I'll slap you. Like, who the fuck you think you talking? I'm like, well, damn, it's not the same student you was just talking to. I was gonna make that same point. Those kids respect your mother, and those kids respect me. I have so many kids that's just like that. That the, the teachers is like when they hear the student name, they're like, "Oh God, oh my goodness!" Like rolling their eyes, already sick of it, just over it. And I'm like, and that's half the problem right there. You already have this whole conception of this child from maybe one or two experiences, and you have decided, "I'm done. I'm not." I'm not even wasting my time with them no more. So now it's like they come in there. You're already on 10 because you like, I got to put up with the student. They breathe hard and then it escalates. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. I tell these other teachers sometimes I be like, it's crazy. You have all these problems with this student because this student acts nothing like this in, in my, my class. classroom. Exactly. And it's also because I put my foot down on day one and I tell them, you can do whatever you want to do at home with your parents, but this ain't your parents' house. This is my this is my domain right here. So you're going to do what I say, or you can get out. It's really that simple. I don't have to be rude and nasty to them about it when telling them that, but I'm being stern and I'm being, you know... Assertive status. and letting them know uh, who's running this classroom. Like, this is my shit. This is my classroom. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, a lot of the adults don't know the difference between speaking sternly and firmly to them and then the whole talking to them crazy and being nasty. Because you can tell them something and have them do something without being nasty about it. You're not going to get no respect or nobody going to do nothing you want them to do talking to them like that. And I have witnessed 
some of them talk to the students like that because let me tell you they think i'm a student for students who didn't know not students for um the adults who didn't know me when i first got there they thought i was a student i had a whole situation where a teacher is yelling at me hurry up let's go let's go and i'm minding my business walking slow because i'm not a student in my mind i'm just like you know okay and they like hello hello i'm talking to you and i'm like okay it was like you need to hurry up and get to class i'm like i'm not a student here i'm a grown woman and i pull my badge and they're like oh i'm so sorry no because you shouldn't be talking to anybody like that exactly it's a respect factor and like they always say in order to get respect you got to give it and no matter who you are it's a factor like the way they act in your class because the way you're coming off at me like that because you thought I was a student that's how you come off to them I wouldn't respect you either because you hollering and screaming especially if that's a student whose parent don't even talk to them like that exactly you got them chopped you have to understand again know who your target audience is that's why it's important and imperative you build these genuine bonds and relationships with your students and get to know them for who they are because hollering and screaming might work for sally over here because that's what her mama and them do at home but for little billy over here they don't do that so now he looking like you're attacking him you're yelling at him you're being mean and that may not even be your intention but you're not going to reach him with the same tactics you're going to reach with her it could be misconstrued you're dealing with and it also could be traumatic, too, because you don't know if you're traumatizing that child for the real world when it comes time when they have yes. to be an adult and deal with people like you. They might not keep a job because they're ready to snap the fuck out because of people like you. Like, people don't realize how influential. I don't think I don't think they take a heed to how influential educators are because you yelling at little Billy might have little Billy have horrible interpersonal skills and feel like he got to do the same damn thing when he get in corporate America. And then you, he wonder why he always losing the damn job. Cause you know how to talk to people. Well, that's what I seen when my teacher did. And you don't even know you making that traumatic imprint until you might later on down the road. And that child's like, well, you know what? The only way I got shit done was when my, my teacher yelled at me. So honestly, that's what all I knew. So I'm going to do that in the same way with parents. Sometimes we get their inheritance of their transgenerational trauma and impacts in ways that they do things, not realizing the way they was doing things was wrong all along. And we still doing them thinking like, well, why nobody receptive to it? Because that shit is not how it's supposed to be done. I'm a human. Talk to me, not at me. Exactly. And when you are talking to the students, if you're paying attention, you will learn so much just by listening to them. Literally, just not saying a word. Listen to them talk, whether it's to their friends, to you, whatever. Listen, I had in the beginning when I first started out on my educational journey, literally, I had a student who would come to school some days, be gone a couple of days, come back. It's very inconsistent. So, you know, I had built a bond with them because, you know, I listened to them. I checked on them, you know, see how they was doing, how's everything going. They were deemed as a behavioral child with other teachers. All right. But they didn't have those behavioral issues when they were with me. Well, come to find out the reason why there's such a behavioral problem or why they talk so much in class and play around so much in class to have those behavioral problems when they leave school, they go home to take care of their younger siblings mm. because their parent is not there for whatever reason, working, whatever the reason. They're not there. 
So they have to spend their evenings getting their siblings together with their homework, cooking dinner, making sure they're good and taking care of taking their baths and do all that. Let's be realistic. As an adult, I don't have kids, but for adults that do have kids, when you think about that same situation with you and your children having to do that, you're exhausted at the end of the night. You don't want to do anything else. So that's why they're not doing their work. Okay. That's also probably why they're not showing up to class consistently or coming to school consistently because they're somewhere at a job or doing something to get money during those school hours because the only opportunity that they would have to be able to do that. And then when they come to school, they're there because that's the one place they can come where they can actually be a child. Exactly. So they're there to have fun with their friends. They're there to hang out and laugh. And so it's a disruption and causing behavioral issues. Yes, on the other end of the spectrum, but you have to see it from their point of view. I don't have time to go outside and play with friends and hang out and stuff after school. And if you understood that about that student from at the beginning, because you cared enough to get to know them, the way you talk to them and treat them would literally change instantaneously. Right. right. So, like, given... Who was listed for special ed. He shouldn't even be in special ed. They put him there because he has loud outbursts and curse. I'm like, so does the rest of the, ge- the general population of the class. <laughs> But they couldn't control him, especially. And again, this is all before, this is all at the beginning of my journey, like long before I even got to the school where I'm at now. This is just all with me seeing from subbing and just, you know, at the beginning. Because nobody took the time to get to know the kids and realize there's nothing wrong with them. It's just time. It's just time and patience you have to give. And I feel like as an educator, that got to be something you got to have is the patience. And time, because if you don't have patience and time, that is not your ministry. Go elsewhere. But like your mom was telling you when you asked, a lot of them are there just to get paid. They needed a job. It pays what it pays, and that's what they do. I always tell people, look at the job that you're in. I tell my students this, too. I said, when you get older, you'll remember this. Look at the job you're at or the job you're applying for. If the government said today, we're not paying for no job. Would you still do it? Would you still be able to do that job and not be miserable and still be happy and feel fulfilled? If you answer yes, you're where you're supposed to be. If your answer is no, it's time for you to go. You need to get to where you're supposed to be. So you don't have no more time to be playing around and wasting time. Because you need to be constructing your game plan of how you're going to get to that job. That's for you. That you'll be happy at. And that's satisfied, vital. Fulfilled. That's vital. Because it ain't nothing like working at no job and you miserable. Girl, we're not going to talk about I that. Truly <laughs> everybody listening. Because again, I'm not afraid to be transparent. I have never worked at a job for longer than a year. Never. Until I started doing what I do now. Like literally. Never. I had so many W-2s around tax time because I had so many jobs. Damn. I don't stay nowhere long. And I've never been so happy about a job to where I haven't had to complain until I had this job. I used to be miserable at jobs. It's nothing like being miserable on a Monday 
about to get ready to clock in and you already waiting to clock out for Friday. And again, it's only Monday. That's a problem. Child, been there, you know, done that. Like people get me now. It's, oh, I'm sleepy. I'm so tired. I'm sleepy. I just want to sleep because let's be real. Everybody wants to stay at home and sleep no matter what the job is. Facts. But outside of that, you don't hear me complaining about my job. That's a I fact. I finally found what I need to do and what I should be at. And I tell people that all the time. If you can't do that, it's time for you to go. But I, I want to go back to what you said to your students. Like, if you're at a space where you feel like you ready, like you like you said, you're not motivated or it's not a passion, then it's time for you to go. What are other ways you motivate your students to not settle for the bare minimum? And like, especially with social media, because social media is a major influencer because it could dictate their dreams. Like, what else do you do to motivate them to not conform to that pattern of the social media stigma? In all honesty, I just try to keep it real with them. I tell them, listen, straight up, this is how it's going to be. It might be a bunch of jobs out there that you might feel that's beneath you, that you might don't want to do. You might don't like it, but somebody got to do it. Exactly. Somebody has to do it. So, what are you going to do to ensure that you're not the somebody that has to do it? Mm, that's vital. I like that. That's a B-roll bomb right there. Because some of those people who are working, and I can't, oh my goodness, I kid you not. When I pulled up the salary amount, and don't I don't know the actual quote for this. When I pulled up the salary amount for sanitation, jobs was hitting the floor. I said, sanitation is a job nobody wants to do because it's collecting trash and disposing of it. But what y'all don't know is they make good money. They yo garbage men be making bank out here in New York. They be making bank, bro. They be making salary salaries, bro. And they try to make it seem like it's the scum of the earth job, but it's really not. It's just they have to pick up trash. Some people literally went like they just they went their whole life like I want to be in sanitation when I grow up. That's what they want to do. So whole time while you trying to shun them and talk about oh you a garbage man and stuff. That's what they wanted to do. So they living their best life. Hello? Hello? Talk that talk. Hello? But at the same time, if you're not a person that wants to work in sanitation, but that's the only job that's hiring, you're going to be miserable. Because it don't matter how much they pay you, you're not going to enjoy what you're doing. So again, what are you going to do to not have to be the person that somebody got to do it? At least be at the job because you want to be there, not because somebody got to do it. So you do it. And, and that... You the one who need a job. That, that, that was me. That was me as up until recently. Like, I loved the work I was doing. I hated the culture. I hated my management. I hated the atmosphere. So I'm over here ready to clock out. Not because I'm tired of the hours, because I know a dedication is necessary, especially as an accountant, what's necessary. But the atmosphere wasn't fitting me. And anybody will tell you, I could be transparent. I have never been at a job less than two and a half years, ever, my whole time. My whole time I've been out of school. My resume, I probably only had seven jobs. Wait, I've been in school, what, nine years now? Wait, almost 10 years? I've only had seven different jobs. So the fact that I had started a job and ended a job in four months, and you know it wasn't me. It had to be these motherfuckers. It wasn't me. Cause that's not my that's not my demeanor because I've been in finance and banking my entire career. So if I quit, if I don't be bothered to job after four months, motherfucker, it's you. It ain't me. Exactly. 
So because I am a millennial, when I feel disrespected, I'm going to go elsewhere where my talents are appreciated. I'm going to be like LeBron and head to South Beach. Bye. Gotta go. Deuces. It's been real. Gotta blast. Jimmy Neutron. Gotta go. The money comes if it's if it's with the passion. It don't have to always be about it. I told them. I told them. I was like, stop going into stuff being so money driven all the time. Okay, get to your purpose and what you're good at and what you like, and make sure it's truly what you're supposed to be doing. Because when you're walking in your purpose and you're where you're supposed to be, the money gonna come. Exactly. The money will come. It will come. Always does. and I also tell them, anything worth having is not going to come easy. And anything that's easy ain't worth having. Period. are so quick to want to give up because y'all are not getting stuff so quick. Microwave generation. That's because they're the microwave generation. It's, yeah. They want everything fast. Y'all want everything fast. I said, as a parapro, I didn't make no money. None. Okay? I probably made monthly Six hundred dollars. Damn. Six hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not afraid to tell nobody this. Six hundred dollars for a whole month. Okay. That's and I still had to pay bills and stuff. When I was done paying my bills and everything else, I used to only have like seventy five dollars to my name. I could have stopped then, went somewhere else, and got a job that would pay me more if I wanted to. But I knew the ending result was the most important factor. If I that keep part. up to this job every day, that part. putting in my putting in the work, showing my face and trying to keep a smile on my face, even though behind closed doors I'm struggling, something's going to open up and these people are going to see the greatness in what I do and want to give me a job. And I truly believed that. Literally believed it. And it's a fact though. That following summer, I applied to other teaching jobs because I was like, I cannot with the parrot thing no more. Like, God, why haven't you come through for me? Like, I have kept the faith. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of this. I need money. Like, for that moment, I was one of my students. I need this now, now, now. Come on, come on. I even got, I even got hired or offered a job at another school to teach, and it didn't work out. Like, for all the stuff that came afterwards, it didn't work out. And I'm telling y'all, I cried tears on the Zoom interview with them people because I finally felt like, finally, finally. Wait, you was waiting to exhale. You were literally waiting to exhale. Yes. And when it didn't happen, I broke down crying. Like, I called my mom and went there, broke down crying. My boyfriend seen me breaking down crying. My mama seen me. I cried. Like, I don't even think. My boyfriend has ever even seen me cry like that before. I cried like I lost something that was so sentimental because it was like, why, God, why would you give me that and then let it get snatched away like that? Yep. All because I had them put in so much work, so much work. It was snatched away because two weeks later, after my mama done sent the prayer up to God about me on bended knees while I was crying and stuff still, all because two weeks later, the school I had been working as a parent at was just trying to get the opportunity to call me and say, well, there's a position open. So now we want to give it to you. But they had to wait 
for one person to leave, for the other person to take that position, which left their position open, which was perfect. Divine timing. In the field of study. Divine that timing. I was working for. Divine time. Students that story all the time to say y'all have to stop being so quick to give up when stuff does not go your way. You still got to put in the long hours, hard work, and dedication. It's your work ethic that is going to carry you to these different places. I could have gave up after making six hundred dollars two two times and was like, I can't do this no more. I didn't give up. Now, now I'm a whole teacher on salary. Doing what I'm able to do. But I would have never got there had I left. And I tell my students that. I tell them real stories. I tell them real life stories. I don't make up quotes and quote a thousand things because it sounds good. I give them the real. I talk to them about being in high school. How I was on the do not admit list to graduate. Literally during graduation practice. Still on the list. And I almost didn't graduate high school. But you don't have to be like that. It's never too late because I didn't want to ask for help. Or I, you know, I had it all down packed and stuff. I tell them that. I tell them how I had a 2.3 in college my freshman year at Payne because I did nothing. Absolutely nothing. I tell them all that. And then I follow it up by showing them, like, but look where I'm at now. And they jaws me on the ground every time because it's like, I mean, E, you a whole teacher out here and you got all those degrees and you always tell us about the accolades and, you know, your dean's list, your honor societies and your Latin honors and different things like that. But you really almost didn't grab, literally. There's a trial in my triumph. You damn right. You don't have to be the person that everybody is making you out to be. I could have been nobody like they said i was going to be i could have you know just had a thousand kids before my time been off the chain and wild and rowdy because my dad passed away when i was young because that's all the stuff they spoke over my life you don't have to be that you can change the narrative and i try to teach them that every day in things that we do because that's literally how i get them to understand all of this just by keeping it a hundred with them i don't need to lie to you and I don't need to do that. There's no need because I ain't got to lie to you, create a kick it with you. And I think that's what my mom's like, but you're so good with kids and you're so good with that. I said, I could still mentor. I could still do whatever. I could still do all of that. Doesn't mean I have to be yes. an educator to do it. But what I tell my mentees all the time, like even the ones I still keep in contact with from Dell State when we had big sister, little sister, I said, if there's one thing you learn from me, learn this. It's your story. You're the author. Yes. You write the books to those pages. You are the narrator to your own story. So you can switch it up and make a plot twist whenever the hell you want to make it. Don't let nobody else do it for you. You can replace characters, input characters, output characters. It's your book because why at the end of the day, it's your story and you're signing off on it. So if your prelogue and your epilogue are not what you want it to be, that's on you. You can always go back and erase it. You might can't literally in the real world, like literally erase it. But you can go back and erase and start again. Literally. It's you like I tell them, it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to get it. It right. isn't. Like these teachers, these older teachers, and no disrespect to them. I love them, but they have it like my life is together. It's perfect. And you know? we know it didn't always start like that. Why are you lying, girl? They 
Gail, you know you lying, Gail. Gail, you know you was feeling back in 1972 over here trying to be a part of the movement, trying to be with the Black Panthers. Girl, stop playing. Hello, okay? And so then you have these students that's looking up to you like, well, they act like they never wrong or like they never been a student to make mistakes and stuff before. And I have to tell them, don't let them fool y'all. It's just like <laughs> social media. They post what they want you to. Hello, say it again. They post what they want you to see. The same things with your other teachers. They tell you what they want you to know. But I also tell them everybody not comfortable telling a business like that. I'm not like that. Cause I have to, my story is who built is that's what built me. I could not be who I am without telling my story If in depth, not even try to bake pits and pieces, but be honest with it. Like I couldn't be honest with it. They will respect you more in the end. If you just be honest, literally. So coming to that before we wrap up. I can honestly say this is probably one of my favorite questions to ask because I feel like with educators, majority of them, and you already gave an example how you had Sora after Sora looking out. Being a Delta woman, how has the values of Delta allowed you to plant seeds in, in the youth and especially your students? Oh, okay. So listen. Oh, this is a great question. <laughs> okay. So- I say, we all know, but I forget, you know, everybody that's listening is not a Delta. They don't get that privilege. They don't get that privilege. Let me retract my statement. So, because it's public information, I can speak about it. The nine cardinal virtues. Like, yes, that's a thing within Delta. But for me, you can literally take every one of those and literally apply that. And that can literally help you to be one of the best teachers, educators, person. Not even just a whole better person within itself. And I know some of y'all probably like, what is she she talking about? about? (laughs) You can Google Google this information. Compassion. Okay? Courtesy, dedication, fellowship. Fidelity, honesty, justice, and purity. Okay? Just look it up. Woo! She just gave y'all some gems. Good God. Compassion. You need to have compassion. Period. Because of the different types of backgrounds and situations you will be up against and dealing with because you have students from different backgrounds and just different genres and walks of life. Courtesy. Okay? Just the common respect for people. Like, don't disrespect them. They won't disrespect you. Hello, this is this it's a given. It's con- it's like really like innate. It's not like rocket science. I think people make it harder than it has to be. Yes, dedication. You need to be committed to what it is that you're doing. Okay, you can't be one foot in the door and the other out the door. Be there and then expect results. Still, how sway? Okay. Be committed and fellowship. Okay. As a teacher, you should not be in your classroom sitting down at the desk and on the computer, click, clacking away all day, and that's it. Talk to your students. Speak to them. Greet them. I tell my kids every day after class, have a great day or have a great weekend. Be safe. Be blessed. Like, It's the little thing. It's the little thing. Ask them how their day was. How things are going. You know, just 
be there. Okay, like fidelity, just having a faithful commitment to what you do. Again, it just goes back to like dedication and being committed. Fidelity, just devotion and faithful commitment to what you do. Have faith in yourself and your students, okay? Don't be so quick to just cut them off. Like, have faith, okay? Honesty. I just talked about this in our conversation prior to this. Just keep it a hundred with the people, okay? Like, don't create no false narrative because it sounds good to try to trick them to do what you want them to do, reverse psychology and all. Leave that alone. It don't work for everybody. Just be honest. Just keep it a hundred. Just be okay? real. <laughs> Literally, just be real. Just be real, okay? That's Boy, it. That's just all. be real. I really need to get that made into something and be like, listen, with permission of the owner of this, I just can be post real. this in my room. Just be real. Like, literally. Justice, purity, I'm sure y'all have common sense to know what it is. Justice, okay? Just make sure that you're doing right by your students, okay? Right is right, wrong is wrong, and being fair in your classroom. Don't allow one student to do one thing and then another student, because you like them more or something, does it, and then it's not a problem there, but it's an issue. Just please, justice for all, okay? I know everybody don't believe in the Pledge of Allegiance, but that one thing in the classroom, justice for all, okay? Impurity. Be pure with your intentions, okay? Don't do things just because you want to get something in return. Just being a great person and guiding these students and leading them and teaching them the ways of life should be enough for you as a teacher to literally fill your heart. If it's not, you're in the wrong profession. That's not your ministry. It's not your ministry. Like, you should be filled just off the strength of your students who you might don't even teach no more stopping by your classroom just to tell you hey or bringing you a snack today because they was in the store getting them a snack and they remember that you like green apple gatorades and slim gems yes my students have done that before that should be enough because you've reached them hello little do you know you've reached them or they out here mimicking and mocking you Oh, okay. So y'all want to play? Y'all heard what I said? Like, oh, y'all know Miss E gonna tell y'all if you don't do that work, what's gonna happen? You will get a zero. Like, if they can do things like that and mimic and play like that, you reach them. People don't do this for the fun of it. So just be pure with your intentions. Like, all of that in Delta has literally played a factor in being a teacher. Like, it's the best advice I could ever give to somebody. If you follow those. You'll be set. And the whole, of course, because I tell my students all the time and they can tell you, it's two things I tell them. Ask them. They'll tell you. Just say, to be early. And they already know. They're going to roll their eyes because they're going to be like, oh, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. And to be late is just not acceptable. So just don't even come. That's what I tell them. And I also tell them how I don't deal in excuses. I was about to say, I knew excuses was coming. I said, watch us throw up excuses. You spill my mess up nothingness. And those who use them will suddenly amount to nothing. And my kids know that. So I'd be like, before you give me another excuse, let's stop and think about it. And they stop and they think. And be like, you know what, Miss E? You're right. You're right. I don't even have an excuse at this point. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right, my kids... My kids be lit in class. And because I tell them, they know I'm a Delta. They know I talk about it all the time as much as I can. 
I have little girls in class who are like, I want to be a Delta when I grow up, Miss E, because like I see how you are and how lit it is and how fun it is. And then I have to tell them, okay, but it's not all glitz. Hello? That part. That part. We have enough of those. Strolling and stepping. It's about sisterhood and fellowship, hard work, community service, and giving back. You know, what can you bring to the organization? Because we even had in our virtual pet rally where we talked about college readiness and we talked about Delta and stuff. But then I also explained to them when we're not working hard and servicing our community and giving back and doing those things, this is, this is what we like to do. The fun part that y'all see. But it's not always fun. It's not always it's fun. It's not. It's not. And I tell them, I was like, and some of y'all, that's hollering y'all want to be a Delta, because I'm quick to tell them, I'm like, some of y'all hollering y'all want to be a Delta, y'all need to get it together. Buckle down. Because Delta, literally, okay, I kid, I tell them, I kid you not, it's an organization for college, educated women. You must go to college to be a Delta. And you have to have your GPA. You have to have all these things about you to be a great asset to the organization. So I'm glad you want to be a Delta, and I'm glad that the, the things that Delta have taught me that I'm able to actually share with you, the things that I can share are rubbing off on you and you're looking that way because that's another way that I found to get some of them ready for college. Some of them didn't want to go to college at first. Now they're like, I got to go to college because I got to be a Delta. I got to go to and college. And I tell... I'm just happy that they're now ready to go to college. And that's what it matters. If they become a Delta or not. And that's I'm what matters. That you have latched on to something that I brought to you to get you excited and hyped to go to college for whatever it is. Facts. Literally. And like I always tell you little girls, so it's like, oh my gosh, like I have young girls. They're like, oh, Miss Jessica. Love them. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I want to be a Delta. I'm like, what's Delta mean? Because a lot of them are in statistics. So y'all be knowing what does Delta mean in statistics? Delta means change. Okay, and what, is, what does Sigma mean? It means some. Okay, what does Theta mean when y'all doing statistics? Degree. Okay, so put them all together. Change to some degree? Oh, yeah. So if you're not about to change, you're not going to do it to some degree, then don't even bother. Because that means we don't... Delta looks for no one. Wise women seek Delta. And if you're not going to be the change that needs to be, just be able to be seen to some degree, then that means my organization is not for you. Exactly. Because I am the change that I want to see every day when I go into my job. Hello? Or I got to be the change where I stand up for young black accountants that are sitting here getting belittled and demeaned by white men. And they try to sit here and act like you stuck on stupid and have to do proper protocol. We got to be like, nah, I'm not the one player. I'm, I'll be the one to file a lawsuit. I'm not that I'm not that girl. You must have forgot who you was dealing with. And if that means I got to sit here and sacrifice myself for that next black sister and not have to endure what I've endured, I'll take that out. And I'll take that proudly. Why? Because that's what my founders did. Change didn't happen overnight, but it took somebody to take that stance to be willing to sacrifice themselves to be that change. Okay, because I ain't going to cap to you. Every day I go in my classroom and I pull up my little slide. Well, I'm not going to be able to do that this year because we're not virtual no more. But I got this little slide background. It was a Delta room, like a Delta classroom, a Delta decked out classroom. I'm like, all right, let's get it. Channeling all my sorrows and founders. Let's go. Especially the founders. For teachers, okay? Listen. Listen. Okay, Ethel Cuff Black. Ethel Cuff Black was a professor at Delaware State College, so you already know that's. Hello. Ethel Carr Watson. Hello. Okay. We're going to get, if you're going to get into it, get into it, honey. Okay, it's a few 
a few, but it's really more than that. A lot of our founders were teachers. I like to channel them. I like to feel that just come on. They're, they're pretty much ancestors. Come on in the room. Come on in the room. <laughs> and help me help them. Like y'all helped so many others. Hello. Come on in. And that's nice. that. So, Kayla, where can the people find you? Because I feel like at that point, I even asked you if there's some words of wisdom because you already done took us to school. Literally. Okay? Literally took us to school. Hello. Serve the girls down. You read the girls. You read the girls. So, 365 days a year. Excuse me, not a week. 24-7, but 365 days a year. I teach all day, every day. Okay? Y'all can find me on Instagram. Okay? At A-O Shorty Wop. That's A-Y- O-O-O underscore shorty walk. Okay. Tell me where they can find your class page if they want to sit and help with donations yes. to supplies and all that other great stuff. My class IG, okay? Because if you are teaching in this this here century, okay, you should have a little social media platform, okay? Make your kids feel like they doing something by being able to follow your Instagram page. So mine is Miss M S dot K K E V E R E T T. Okay, that's me. It is open. It is a public page because everything I do on there is for the public. I have TikTok videos on there. Okay, I have things that I do that I do at school. Okay, things just teacher and education related on there, like everything, cheer stuff. Because I'm a cheer coach too. Like. The page is full of just all types of educational things, literally. So y'all heard holla. it here first. So holla at her. Tap in. Holla at me. Tune in. Pull up on me. On the IG. I was literally about to say that, but I was like, dang, I don't even know if they're going to understand they, what I'm saying. Everybody, everybody know what up with the what's up. Like, she got that splat. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't but, worry about it. And if y'all really want to give me something, you know... Hello, period. But nah, I feel like educators like you, especially it's great to have millennial educators that I get to time, you know, to chat it up with. Because a lot of my friends are educators. Some are pursuing their PhDs. And it's just dope to just see black women. Unfortunately, unfortunately, more of them that I know are only sororers. Not many. Not saying I'm being biased. But hey, that I surround. You are the company you keep. Yeah, I you are the company you keep. And I'm just sorry. I just surround myself with greatness. So all I know, I know you're probably tired of having a Delta every time on my podcast, but y'all present me with somebody better and then I can be able to help you out. No tea, no shade. Well, they're not going to find one, sis. So I can't help it that I, and, and that and that should say within itself that it's a business because I network enough to be able to have all these different conversations with y'all from different people who are still Absolutely. Deltas. So... That's all I got for y'all. I don't know what else to tell y'all, but y'all be blessed, be great, and um, I'll see y'all later. Be blessed. Peace out. <laughs> so that was my girl and my sis, Kayla Everett, out here giving y'all some gems, dropping them nine cardinal virtues on y'all real quick. But always keep in mind, everything is everything. And what you go ahead and put into these kids today allows them to success tomorrow. The miseducation of the millennial mindset is something that we take real personal especially for our black kids y'all be blessed be real be true be unapologetically you